Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Friday, May 20th, and this is your FT News Briefing. Canada is giving Huawei the boot. The U.S. is losing influence in Latin America, while China makes inroads. One observer put it like this. The U.S. stance towards the region is rather like the Vatican. There's a lot of rules. It's very difficult to get entry. The Chinese are a bit like the Mormons. You know, they're these two nice guys in suits who knock at your door and say they just want to help. Plus, after years of going up, bond prices have been dropping. We'll ask our markets editor, Katie Martin, about whether the bull run for bonds is coming to an end. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Canada says it will ban the Chinese telecoms companies Huawei and ZTE from providing 5G services in the country. A top Canadian official said companies who already have equipment installed from the two companies will have to remove it and they won't be compensated. Canada is following similar moves by the U.S. and its allies who fear Chinese technology. They believe it's being used by Beijing for spying. A Huawei representative in Canada said despite the announcement, there's still no legislation blocking equipment sales. So this week, the Biden administration softened economic sanctions on Venezuela. It also sent a crisis delegation to Mexico, and the White House relaxed some Trump-era rules on Cuba. Behind this flurry of U.S. diplomatic activity in Latin America is perhaps an effort to salvage a regional summit the U.S. is hosting in Los Angeles next month, because country after Latin American country is threatening to drop out. To talk about what's going on, I'm joined by our Latin America editor, Michael Stott. Hey, Michael. Hello, Mark. So, Michael, so far, Mexico's president said he won't attend. Caribbean nations are doing the same. And Brazil and Argentina are holding out their RSVPs. What's going on here? Why are they all threatening to back out? Well, on the face of it, Mark, what they're worried about is the United States not inviting Cuba, Venezuela, and Nicaragua. And this plays into a long-running Latin American resentment at US policy towards these nations and a feeling that the most constructive way is to engage with them rather than to freeze them out. But behind that, there's also a bigger problem, which is the lack of a substantive agenda and a feeling on the Latin American side that the US is not offering very much this time around beyond rhetoric. And it's extraordinary that these nations should even be questioning attending What is the hemisphere's premier forum for heads of government? It only happens every three years. When the Americans last hosted this event in 1994, Cuba was not invited, but everybody else showed up. There was no question of of dropping out. And I think that difference between 94 and now says a lot about the waning of US influence in the region in, in those last two and a half decades. It's still unclear who will attend the summit next month. But these frustrations are unlikely to go away anytime soon. What do these frustrations mean for U.S. influence in Latin America long term? One of the problems is the U.S. doesn't have so much to offer. And what it has been offering in in recent times under the Biden administration, the Trump administration, have been things the Latin Americans don't like very much. So the Trump administration was threatening and bullying on issues like trade with China, telling Latin American countries not to use Chinese technology. Um, The Biden administration has been chiding them on human rights and corruption and democracy, um, but they haven't been offered very much. 
And of course, at the same time, the Chinese have been coming along and saying, we're not going to tell you off. We're not going to threaten you. We'd just like to offer you some help. We'd like to offer you some loans. We'd like to buy your products. We'd like to boost trade. And we're not going to embarrass you with public statements about human rights and democracy. So, of course, that offer is quite attractive to a lot of the Latin American countries. So this is a very different approach. And one of your sources, and I love this, compared the two by describing the U.S. as the Vatican and China more like the Mormons. What did he mean by that? Yes. So this was uh, told to me by a top Latin American diplomat, and I think it it puts it rather well. Uh, What he said was that the U.S. stance towards the region is rather like the Vatican. There's a lot of rules. It's very difficult to get entry. Even if you do your best, you might still be damned rather than going to heaven. Um, The Chinese are a bit like the Mormons. You know, they're these two nice guys in suits who knock at your door and say they just want to help and they'd like to talk about God with you and have a chat, but they're not going to judge you. Uh, They just want to sort of do a deal. Uh, And I think that's a rather good way of putting it. It sums up rather well what's happened in the region over the past uh, two decades when China has enormously grown its trade, its investment and its influence in the region. Michael Stott is the FT's Latin America editor. Thanks as always, Michael. Thanks, Mark. For the past three decades, bonds have been on a bull run. Prices have largely gone up as interest rates have fallen, and there have been predictions that prices would reverse, but that never happened. But high-quality investment-grade bonds are selling off now, and so are riskier high-yield corporate bonds. And some veteran bond investors are saying we may finally be at the end of an era. To talk more about this, I've got the FT's Katie Martin on the line. Hey there, Katie. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing well. So what's been happening in the U.S. corporate bond market, Katie? Yeah, so it's interesting. The steady-as-she-goes nature of the U.S. corporate bond market has been a little bit of a puzzle for quite some time. You know, investors have been saying, look, I'm happy that it's holding up as well as it is, but I don't quite understand why it's holding up as well as it is. There's been various reasons cast around for that, like companies absolutely gorged on cheap money when the pandemic first hit because interest rates were cut to nothing. So they've had a good bit of padding. But what is happening now is that the real economy is catching up with quite a lot of the sort of consumer facing companies that are out there, companies that have loaded up on debt. It is looking quite hairy because the price pressures that we all know about that are like one of the biggest stories of the year, this kind of massive pickup in inflation is hurting companies as well as individuals. And it's just suddenly caught up with this market. So there were some interesting comments from the chief investment officer of PIMCO. It's it's a massive asset manager and one of the most well-known bond trading firms. He said, get ready to pick up bargain-priced bonds. They could be a good opportunity for patient investors. What do you make of this? So I am not going to argue with PIMCO. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Katie, probably a good idea. I know better than to do that. They know what they're doing. They are some of the greatest experts in the room in terms of what the bond market is going to do next. But they're saying that, look, we've had a horrendous start to the year in government bonds and in all sorts of bonds, and all sorts of debt. Um, you know, we've seen this generational pullback in prices in the bond market. It's been absolutely horrific for people that are active in that market. And has it all gone a little bit too far? And look, PIMCO might be right about this, and there might be some pockets of bargains kicking around, but it does seem to be quite a big call, because if we've learned anything over the past few months, is that 
we have no idea what's going on. <laughs> we don't understand how inflation works anymore. And even central bankers who previously have been like, well, let's not do anything hasty, are now saying, okay, fine, we're going to have to jack up interest rates really hard and really fast. And this is all just super bad news for the bond market. So would PIMCO be trying to catch a falling knife? Maybe, but there is a sense that the market has moved a really long way really fast. So if the safety net of bonds is looking shaky, stocks are looking really risky, crypto, I mean, you know better than I do, forget about it. Commodities may be too expensive to start investing in now, where does this leave investors? Where do they put their money? Yeah, so it's a really good point, right? So it is very, very unusual. In fact, I think unprecedented that you see five weeks of declines in bond markets and in stock markets at this scale at the same time. And that gives investors very few places to hide. In fact, I was talking to a commodity fund manager the other day who said, you know, for the best part of 10 years, no one's answered my calls. <laughs> no one's been remotely interested in commodities. And now the phone's ringing off the hook with investors, large and small, saying, I just need some sort of inflation hedge. And we think that commodities might be it. It's not just the kind of flighty, high tech bit of the market that's getting a kicking now. It's everything. I'm not getting the buffer out of the government bond market. What do I do? I've got to try and protect stakeholders' money somehow. And commodities might be it, at least to some extent. Um, crypto, as you note, turns out not to be an inflation hedge. So that probably isn't a good place to put your money. So yeah, it is really, really difficult for investors out there. This isn't supposed to be an easy job, but it does seem unusually hard at the moment. Katie Martin is the FT's markets editor. Thanks as always, Katie. No problem. Before we go, a quick correction. Yesterday, I mistakenly said that the U.S. men's national soccer team did not qualify for this year's World Cup. They did. The games are in Qatar this year and start November 21st. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back next week for the latest business news. The FT News Briefing is produced by Fiona Simon and me, Mark Filipino. We would like to extend a warm welcome to our brand new producer, Sonia Hudson. Our editor is Jess Smith. We had help this week from Michael Lello, David De Silva, Peter Barber, and Gavin Coleman. Our executive producer is Topher Forges. Cheryl Bromley is the FT's global head of audio. And our theme song is by Metaphor Music. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, this is Matt and Sean from Two Black Guys with good credit from a local business to a global corporation. Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash banking for business to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024.